0: A couple of things uh, before I kind of talk to you a bit. One is that um, Bronwyn is going in for surgery tomorrow. This is the third of uh, her surgeries. We're hoping that this will be the last one, and so we want to make sure that we pray for the Davis family tomorrow and ask uh, God to bless them and especially Bronwyn as she goes through surgery. I also want to mention that tomorrow is the first anniversary of the passing of Drew Clark. And so I would encourage you to be thinking about the Clark family tomorrow. Uh, I know that tomorrow will be a a hard day for them. And so please be remembering Jordan and Carrie especially and and their loved ones uh, on a day that is significant for them for sure. We want to thank uh, the Filipinos for being part of our assembly this morning in a special way. That was absolutely wonderful. Great to have them singing and serving the Lord's Supper. And, you know, we have such a multicultural presence within our church. And so it's a great thing that we can have that kind of Spotlighted for a few moments—that's a rich blessing as well. Let me say that at the end of the service today, when it's time for the potluck, we'll have to get some help with the tables and chairs, like we did two weeks ago. That was great. Uh, We can't really set those things up until the children are done down there. So we'll have—we got many hands, make light work. And so we'll get all the tables and chairs out and set those up. And uh, if they're not quite ready yet, then we'll just kind of fellowship and hang around, and then. After that, go down and have a wonderful time of fellowship and enjoy some wonderful food from our Filipino brethren. Looking forward to that very much. Gravity uh, very seldom gets second thought. Okay? Gravity. It's there all the time, but we don't really think very much about gravity. Now, maybe you do. Maybe if you are one of those scientific types and you're wondering how much gravitational pull there is on your body, because you know how much you weigh, and you know that the for, what the formula is for gravity and its pull on the body, then maybe you like to figure those kind of things out. I never give gravity a second thought. It doesn't cross my mind. However, I know that it's there. I know that it's there because if I was to walk over here, and I want to be up there, and I'm currently down here, there's gonna have to be some force applied to my body in order to lift me up to there. And so I'm gonna use some muscular force because I have massive legs with incredibly large and muscular thighs to lift myself up from there to here. And then I can do the same thing to here and then I can actually even climb up this ladder. And you're thinking right now, will he fall? (laughs) Some of you are probably praying I will. How high do you think I'll go? Do you think I'll go this high? Higher. Higher. <laughs> Who said that? Okay, smart Alec. What do you think? Should I go higher? Mark, thanks for loving me. Mark's the only one. Could I go higher? Oh, I could, but I could go down really fast. And if I did, thank you, Mark, it would be a perfect testimony to the fact that there is indeed gravity that has a force on my body. Thanks, Mark. So if I jump, gravity shows itself. And if I jump again, gravity shows itself. Because gravity is always there. It's always pulling on me. Now to us, because we're so used to it, we walk around and it just seems like not a big deal. But the force of gravity on our bodies holding us to the earth is actually, it's considerable. And so in order for me to, for example, jump up and take this 165 pounds of fighting bone and muscle off the ground, I have to apply some force with my legs in order to make that happen. And notice how quickly, and, and we, think, we think in terms of falling. Like we would say, I jumped up and then I fell back to earth, but I didn't. Instead, when I jumped up, I didn't fall back to earth. I was grabbed. And it pulled me, boom, right back to earth. That's the way gravity works. We don't fall. We get accelerated. Accelerated. <laughs> We get sucked back by the force of gravity. And it is amazing just how powerful that is. Recently, because it was September 11th, Robin and I were watching the tragedy that occurred with the Twin Towers in New York City being hit by the the planes of the terrorists. And if you've seen that at all, as the fires grew, there were people way up 100 stories, on top of the towers who no doubt, because they were about to succumb to the flames and didn't want to experience that, decided to jump. And there were people videotaping this on the ground and they would say, you could hear them talking and they would say, what's that? Is that a piece of the building? And then in horror, they would realize that it was a body and that someone had jumped. And uh, I mean, it was just, it was amazing to kind of watch that and, and to see You know, the acceleration and how fast those bodies fell. When you see a skydiver in the sky falling and you're, you know, we always get that view on television from the camera and because the camera is going at the same rate as the body that's falling, it doesn't seem like it's all that fast. But when you see it in relationship to a building that is just standing there and you see a body fall, it is amazing how fast it's happening. And again, it's not falling. They're not falling. Gravitational pull pulls a person back down to Earth with incredible force. In fact, so incredible. You think about what it takes for a rocket, for one of the Apollo rockets, or for one of the shuttle uh, rockets as it leaves the Earth. You think about the force and the power that is demanded in order to get that thing off the ground and how slowly it starts. Remember? Remember? You can, you can imagine that in your mind, how slowly it begins to leave the earth because of the incredible power that's there with gravity tending to always pull things back down. And we don't give it a second thought. We don't even think about it. It is one of the most powerful forces around us at any moment, maybe the most powerful force around us at any moment, and we don't give it a second thought. Well, my point is is that I think that the Spirit can be just like that. We typically don't give the Holy Spirit as much presence in our thinking, as much thought as we should. But there is this incredible force, this amazing power that is around us everywhere. And I'm not going to say pulling on us, it's not tugging on us, it's not causing us to fall. Instead, it empowers us. And it has always empowered God's people. The Spirit has always been there. He's always been present. But we so often don't see the Spirit at work. When I say always, you might think to yourself, well, I know a lot about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. We see that in Acts chapter 2 and some other passages. But what about this always bit? Has the Holy Spirit always been present in the life of God's people? And indeed, the Holy Spirit has. And so I want to encourage you in your Bibles to turn to Genesis chapter 1, here at the start. Genesis chapter 1. It's right at the beginning. For those of you, uh, if you're wondering, where is Genesis? It's right, it's the first book in the Bible. And chapter 1 is the first chapter. And verse 2 is the second verse. Pretty easy to find. And look at this. Now the earth was formless and empty, the text says. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now that's amazing. Because... Scripture talks about, right in the beginning, how this earth and the universe that we have is, is it says, formless and empty. There's not really anything that defines it. We could say that it's kind of chaotic. And, And that's a little bit worrisome for someone who doesn't know much about our world and the way that God works, to think that there, in the beginning, there was this chaos kind of going on. Nothing was ordered about it. And that might cause you to wonder what's going on until you read the second part of the verse that says that the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. And immediately there can be in our lives a sense of peace. Because where there is incredible incredible turmoil, where there is a lack of form, God in his spirit is still present right there with us and he has been there that way from the very beginning. And so 75 times or so in the Old Testament, the Bible specifically mentions the Holy Spirit. Now I have to admit that was a bit of surprise to me as I looked at this this week. 75 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Old Testament and it's not just this general mentioning of the Spirit about his existence or his hovering over the surface of the water. It says that the Spirit is with people There are instances of biblical writers saying that the Spirit is specifically with them in the midst of their troubles or their sorrows needing to be uplifted. And so we see this text from Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is David, by the way, pouring out his heart after his sin with Bathsheba. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And so right there in the life of David a long time ago, a thousand years before Jesus, there was already present this notion of the Spirit being with one of God's people and lifting Him up. There is personal interaction and presence here. And the fact is we could look at a whole lot more passages that show how, how present the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament. How God's Spirit has been with God's people from the beginning. Now, with Jesus, there is, of course, a transition that takes place. And I would say that there is a refocusing, in many ways, on the Holy Spirit, a bringing to even a a more evident presence the Spirit in the life of God's people in the Christian era. And so in Jesus' ministry, as John the Baptist talks about his coming of this one, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with, it should say, the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's so interesting to me because John here is explaining the the huge difference between himself and Jesus. You'd think that he would be talking about how Jesus is one with God and I'm not. Or Jesus brings salvation from sin and I don't. Or Jesus is going to create the church and I'm not. There's lots of distinctions that John the Baptist could draw between himself and the coming of Jesus. But what does he focus on? The coming of the Holy Spirit. It's clear in my mind that John is thinking that when Jesus comes he's going to bring the Spirit in a significant way. And that this in itself is one of those distinguishing marks that will set the coming of Jesus apart from any age that has happened before in the history of Christianity. And then... There's this text. And this comes in Acts chapter 2, immediately after the Spirit has been poured out on the apostles and they've spoken in tongues, the tongues of fire have come down on them. The people are awed by this and don't know what to think. And so Peter stands up and he says this, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Now the point of this text is is to say that there is a new era. There is a new time. And so although the Spirit has been present throughout the ages of God's people, there is a sense in which the Spirit comes in a new, dynamic, wonderful way for the people of God now, those who are in the church of Jesus Christ. And so this has some ramifications, I think, for you and for me. If we haven't been a people who have, as much as we could, focused on the Holy Spirit, Then we need to. We need to have our minds open, our lives open. In our study of scripture, this needs to be a focus. In our relationships with each other, this needs to be a focus. In our understanding of what it means to be the church, this needs to be a focus. In our ministry in the world, this needs to be a focus. And as we look to the future and think about what kind of church we're going to be and how God wants us to minister or if we're just going to ask the question, what kind of person, what kind of Christian am I going to be? I need to recognize this irresistible, almost, force that is present, this powerful force that is present, who is constantly, not causing me to fall into God, but is drawing me and pulling me, grabbing at my heart with God's power, to pull me unto himself. And if that kind of presence is there. For God to pull at me. Then that's the presence. That we need to allow ourselves to give in. And allow God to work in us in that way. And so I want you to think this week specifically about this question. The spirit is pulling. At my life. How. And in what ways am I going to respond? How is the Spirit tugging at your heart? How is the Spirit tugging at your life? What is the Spirit asking of you? And are you open to allow the Spirit to work in you in that way so that your life can conform to what God wants you to be? I think He sent His Spirit into our hearts and is wanting to work in us. And to create something new and different and powerful. God's people, when he calls, need to be open. We need to be ready. And God's going to work powerfully through us if we are. Let's pray together. Lord, it's a, it's a simple truth. That you have provided us with your Spirit. Father, we believe that your Spirit indwells those who have given themselves to you. Father, we believe that this presence and this power can work with us and among us in wonderful ways in our universe today. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to be open to that. Help us to accept it, help us to see it, help us to make it useful in our world shape our hearts and shape our minds let the fruit of your spirit come out in us let the knowledge of you be in us through the blessing that is your spirit especially as we meditate on your word and as your spirit communicates to us who you are father we pray that you'd help us to minister powerfully to those around us we believe god that you through your spirit convict the world of sin and so we pray that you'd help us to to voice the gospel to teach about Jesus and allow your spirit to work to change those around us. We want to be open to you. We want to be changed. We pray that you bring that about in our lives. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, please.